Evening, everybody. How are we doing? Welcome to another edition of Wednesday Night uh, Nige. Great to be with you. Hope uh, you are safe and well wherever it is, uh, whatever your bubble is, uh, whether you're in four or whether you're in three. Uh, hope that you are um, sane, <laughs> which I know can be a real challenge at this particular time. Um, but uh, look, I just hope everyone's well. I hope everyone's keen to talk little bit of sport. Do appreciate everyone that has sent through uh, questions via the Facebook page, uh, the one you're watching on right now. That is uh, facebook.com forward slash Nigel Yolden Sports. Poll question for the week as well. Uh, got some other questions. Uh, Greg has taken it upon itself to make sure that uh, yarns from the box is going to be a regular feature now of the show. Um, so very much looking forward to uh, that there. He's got a couple of questions he's going to throw at me. Uh, but a really good bunch of questions which I do greatly uh, appreciate. Your poll question for the week as well, which I've uh, popped up for those people who are popping on. Uh, pretty straightforward. Who runs the 2021 NRL Premiership? Storm, Panthers, or one of the other six teams that makes the playoff? Because that's how I see it. I, I see it really down to a a two-team race. Um, yeah, okay, Storm were beaten by my Eels. I can't see that happening uh, again in a playoff-type scenario. Um, Panthers, yeah, they're... You wouldn't say they're charging into the playoffs, but they still seem to uh, better best equipped to be able to deal with the storm. Um, and then there's going to be six other teams. We don't know who the, the, the other six are. We know the majority of who the other six are. Um, but, yeah, that's your poll question for the week. Who wins the 2021 NRL Premiership? Is it the Storm? Is it the Panthers? Is it one of the other six teams? I am going the Melbourne Storm, just to get things underway myself. We've got a bit of league chat in here tonight. We've got some NFL. There's a bit of F1, plenty of rugby. I'll throw it in there for good measure. As I said, we've got some other questions coming through with regards to Greg and his new feature that he, I think he's, it's his feature, not mine, yarns from the box. Uh, and Daniel's got a question for me as well with regards to some of the stuff that I did on my broadcasting career as well. So let's get uh, stuck into it. Very much looking forward to this. Right. So we'll start with Dave, DD. I uh, like the concept of the next Super Rugby season. Hopefully I'll be able to travel to New Zealand to watch my Chiefs play. Dave is in um, Australia. From Nathan, I like the idea of Super Rugby Pacifica. Some of the formatting I'm not a fan of. 12 teams whittled down to 8 for the playoffs seems silly. Would love to see an expanded 15-team comp by adding three Asian-based teams to try and crack that Asian TV viewer market. Otherwise, I'm not sure New Zealand and Oz audiences can sustain the viewer comp uh, sponsorship-wise. So let's sort of get stuck into that there. Um, Nathan, sorry if I was just adjust that uh, microphone ever so slightly there. Um, in terms of, I spoke last week with regards to, I don't mind having... The playoffs. I don't mind having quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals. And the reason why I like that is because it replicates, excuse me, Rugby World Cup scenario. Okay, in order to win Rugby World Cups, you've got to win a quarterfinal, a semifinal, a final. You have got to win three games, sudden death, do or die. So I don't mind that. With regards to the 15-team comp, I suspect if they can get this bedded in, that expansion is obviously going to be a big target for Super Rugby. They need expansion. Obviously, they do want to bring in some of that Asian dollars. I think that the two big battlegrounds at the moment in terms of uh, getting audience is Asia and USA. Um, 
both are far better time zones for the uh, European, uh, UK, Europe, that sort of a thing. Um, but I think that's what will happen. So I, I'm with you with regards to the 12. Oh, well, I wouldn't say it. I'm not keen on 12 into 8, but I like the concept of quarterfinals, semifinals, finals. What I do have an issue with is why is it a 14-game regular season? Why does it have to be over 18 weeks? Why can't we just play everybody once and leave it at that? That part I don't like. That, to me, I don't like con- contrived. I think with the way rugby is, uh, I think less is more. So I don't think we really do need to have you know, the, these extra games which uneven, makes it uneven, a little bit a little balanced. It's going to have people talking because obviously there's going to be a team that's going to make it in there. They'll either have a losing record or they will have gotten because they've beaten one of the lower teams twice. So, you know, it makes for great talking points. But look, overall, I think the concept, cool. We get Moana Pacifica in there. We get the uh, Fijian and Indura in there as well. And we, we know that they've actually went pretty good in that um, uh, the Australian National Championship the NRC, um, so you know it's it's a it's a pathway for them as well, um, but yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I just think 18 weeks. Why does it have to be 18 weeks? Why can't it just be 11 weeks of a regular season? You know, buy thrown in, so maybe make it 12 with three weeks. 15 weeks seems perfectly acceptable to me, and and I think that there again, if you shorten it again, and you know where I like this, I still like the idea of having that um, championship, that club championship. World Club Championship, throw it in, you make it shorter, you can start it slightly earlier, get it finished in time for that little window that I've created sort of in um, first three weeks of June, but anyway. Um, so yeah, I'm a bit like you, I want to see it in action, and, and I hope we can get it up in action, you know, given everything that's going on. Uh, Nathan, I'll come back to your other question about the NFL a bit later on, mate. Uh, from Carlin, hey Nigel, what's your take on Titoro Tahurirangi's move to the Crusaders? Uh, they've got a stacked halfback group now, yes. What I like about this uh, for Triple T, who, by the way, is it really, really neat. Um, been very fortunate, was obviously able to cover him while he was with the Chiefs, was lucky enough to be there the night he made his all-black debut um, in Nelson. He got that awesome haka from his family in the stands. I was able to interview him directly after that, and, and it was really cool. He, he's a wonderful young man. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm stoked for him for this reason. And it comes down to who is coaching the Crusaders because Triple T was part of the 2015 under-20 side under one Scott Robinson. And it's interesting, we've seen Joshua Wani leave the Highlanders and come up to the Chiefs. He'll be working under Clayton McMillan, a coach that knows him very well through the New Zealand Māoris. Uh, Māori All Blacks, excuse me. So I think, I think there would have been a case of he is familiar with Scott. He obviously got on really well. He was he was a key element. He was really good coming out of that under-20 side. I remember at the time uh, when it was back when I was working for Radio Sport, they actually did an article the following year, you know, if you're building a young side, who would you build around? And at the time, I, th- I had, I'm pretty sure I had um, Titoira as the guy I would build around, you know, Really good halfback here, great speed, great pass, good kicking game. Hasn't kicked on to the level that we thought he might do, um, but I think if he gets back to Scott, uh, when you go back and you watch, clearly there was a real trust there between he and Razor. Um, so I think it's going to be a great move for him um, 
get reuniting with Scott Robinson, who I think we, we all know. He, he, he knows how to motivate his charges. He knows how to get the best out of them. And that's not saying that he wasn't getting the best out of at, at the Chiefs, but he clearly got passed by Brad Weber. So I think it's a good move because it reunites him with a guy who I think can reinvigorate him. Similar with Joshua Wani, he gets out of the Highlanders. Obviously, there's been questions with regards to his character, but he's coming up to a guy in, in Clayton McMillan who he clearly um, has worked well with in the past. Clayton is a no-nonsense kind of guy. Warren Gatlin is a no-nonsense kind of guy, but I suspect that this is really going to be a Clayton McMillan, Joshuani thing. And he's got the ability to be the guy, to go in at number 10 if that's, where they, if that's where they see him playing, and that's where I would play him if I was the Chiefs as well, just getting slightly off tangent here. Um, so that's where that, that's my take. I think for for Tutoro, great move, brilliant move, gets him into that wonderful system. And yeah, he's going to have some challenges. Man, it's not a bad three card trick that you've got in terms of halfbacks there. And I think Tutoro will flourish down in the Crusaders as most people do. And I don't mind the move of of Josh coming up as well. I think there's a little bit more risk from the Chiefs there, given some of the other issues. Um, but, you know, look, I, I would suspect that Clayton McMillan will have that absolutely well in hand, and he's obviously got some uh, pretty good backup in the form of uh, Mr. Warren Gatlin, the head coach as well, but I really think that that move of Josh coming up, that, that speaks to me more of player coach in the same way that Toro going down to the Crusaders is a little bit about player coach as well. Uh, from Aaron, where are we at with the Bunnings NPC now? Has New Zealand Rugby actually planned for a situation like this? Can a professional rugby competition resume at level three? No. If not, when level two? How does it resume without Auckland, North Harbour counties? Uh, where's the Heartland competition at? Okay, so Aaron, yesterday on uh, the Facebook page I popped up, that this same question was asked by Bernadine Oliver Kirby, I think it was on the breakdown on Monday Night in Sky. Uh, spoke with Lee, uh, Steve Lancaster about it. He, is, he has answered that. Obviously, the, the big thing is it can't resume under Level 3, but it can under Level 2. The issue right now is at the moment you've got three teams captured, North Harbour, Auckland, and, and Counties Manukau, as you allude to, who are, who are Level 4. So they're a level below. So if, if New Zealand goes down to Level 2, Auckland's still at Level 3, maybe there's a chance a bubble could come out. That's just me uh, speculating there. But that there is the, the more challenging one. Heartland Championship, sorry, the NPC and Farah Palmer Cup as well. Heartland Championship, really interesting, obviously, because there's no Heartland Championship side that comes out of Auckland. There's no Heartland Championship side which is part of that Carroll Level 4 situation. So as soon as it gets to Level 2, Heartland Championship should just be able to go bang and start playing. Okay, without crowds, which would suck, but... So, for me, Heartland boy that I am, if you can't get the NPC going or you need a little bit extra time or maybe you've got to move and you're going to try and do some bubbles, maybe if they all can go to level three, maybe you can bring players out, squads out, base them outside of, of the city, um, if that would be approved by the government, obviously, but just throwing it out there. But whilst that is happening, let's broadcast the Heartland Championship. Let's get the cruise out let's get stuck into it that would be awesome McCannery South Canterbury West Coast Buller hello Hotafenua Kapiti versus Wanganui that's week one for the Osborne Spencer Trophy no there isn't an Osborne Spencer Trophy but there should be an Osborne Spencer Trophy 
Um, so that's where we're at at the moment. Nothing until we get to level two. And Steve Lancaster has said, look, they, they can push it back. The, the big window, they, they can push this all the way back sort of late November, early December if they want to. Personally, I think they can push it back as far if they, as, as they want, in my own opinion. But it's going to be getting down to level two before they can really get anything up and going. And the, the, the ones I feel really sorry for, Farah Palmer Cup, because Auckland's right in the mix there to make the semi-finals. Counties Monaco has got a big game against Waikato next round when they resume. It's their last opportunity to try and get points to put themselves in a semi-final spot. I still think they'll miss out to Wellington. Um, and then you've got North Harbour who are challenging for a semi-final spot as well in the championship of the FPC. So there's, there's so much, so much at, at, at play there. Um, so uh, DG, that also answers the first part of your question as well with regards to a new draw. It's going to be a wait and see. Like everything, so many things in New Zealand at the moment, it's going to be dictated to by what the government, the Ministry of Health, um, dictate for the country or prescribe for the country. Uh, and it's just a case of, of waiting. I, I know there's a lot of um, uh, other big conferences and events that are planned. Uh, I'm, in, I'm involved with one. I'm on a committee for one here in the Waikato at the moment. And, you know, we've got all these things where we go, okay, if this happens, we can do this. If that happens, we can do this. But otherwise, we're really sitting waiting for it. We've got to wait for whatever the directive is with regards to how the government reacts to uh, the Delta's variant and how they continue to work their way either through the levels, either down or back up again. So, uh, Damien also wants to know, though, thoughts on uh, the new rugby format. I've already mentioned that. How will your Patriots go this year after doing well in the draft and free agency? Well, you got rid of Cam. Good move. Um, don't have an issue with that. You've gone with Mac Jones. Um, I suspect, even though you've released Brian Hoyer, he's going to come back in because you will have three uh, quarterbacks. You'll have Stridham, and you'll probably redo Hoyer. Um, Newton, um, look, I don't think you lose anything there. Um, as I was in a text chain with um, some members of the old NFL Tragics, and they were talking uh, a lot with regards to, um, you know, the, the, the talent versus ego ratio of Cam Newton has been massively out of whack, and I think that's a beautiful way to put it. Um, I like what I've seen from Mac Jones, even though I haven't seen much. He, he seems as though he's got that, that, that mind that I think really will invigorate Belichick and Josh Daniels as well. So I think you'll go okay. Buffalo Bills, though, are the team to beat in that division. Ain't, ain't no doubt in that. Buffalo Bills are going to be really in the hunt this year. They're, they're going to be tough to roll in that particular division. Uh, speaking of the NFL, Nathan, your other question, how many yards does Darnold throw week one? About 340. Three TDs. He'll have one pick, but I say 343 TDs and they just roll. Uh, Jets are building nicely. Whatever. Uh, big loss with Lawson gone for the season. Don't mind the pickup of Shaq Lawson, though, Nathan. Interested to see how Salah and, and Wilson progress here. Um, I'm giving this one a couple of years. I'm, I'm still not sold on Zach Wilson. Um, so I'll just I'll wait and see. I'd love to get excited about my Jets, but look, as I say, Bills, I think, are going to be the team to beat. Um, I think what's interesting is then you've got Mac Jones now running the Patriots. You're going to have Wilson running the, the Jets. Tua Tungavailoa running the Dolphins. I still like the Dolphins' defense, so I've got them probably finishing second. But I think if Mac really gets going, that's where I think it's going to sort of leapfrog a little bit. There's a, there's a lot going on, I think. Buffalo, clear. I think whoever finishes second is going to come out of that one of those wildcard spots, so... We'll wait and see what happens with that. Uh, from Gareth, as we switch to some rugby league, thoughts on Latrell Mitchell getting six weeks for the hit on Manu? And talking about fullbacks, and this is a bit off 
of a what if, but how good would Christian Cullen have been playing fullback in the NRL? Cully would have been really good playing fullback in the NRL, in my opinion. I think he would have been really good indeed. With regards to Latrell Mitchell getting six weeks for the Hiramanu, no problem with it. I know it is um, mocked a little bit. Excuse me. Got to get the caffeine fixed. I know the, the judicial system, the judicial process, in our judiciary does get mocked sometimes, but look, it's very structured, very regimented. I don't like the idea that, oh, if you, if you, if you put in an early plea, you get less weeks, or you don't have, you know, if you challenge it, you get weeks added on. I, that, that I don't like. I, I've never liked that. But the fact is, is that Latrell had a track record. Okay, he, he has got carryover points. Uh, he's got a history at the judiciary, which is all taken into account. And so that shot, which I was interested in, was only grade two. I thought it might have been graded as a three. Um, six weeks, I got no problems with it whatsoever. No problems with it whatsoever. And even if you take the emotion out of it. I mean, if you, there's been so much said about this particular incident. We're going to talk about that because Craig's got a question regarding it too. But when you actually look at it, he comes in. Yep, the first point of contact is the shoulder. But this arm, you watch the replay. The arm is whipping around. It was just, it was... It was incredibly reckless, and he didn't care who he hurt. And this was the thing. When I went back and I had a look at the judicial results for uh, where he got done for, uh, I think it was an incident involving David Nofaluma. I think he went, he, he undercut him. He actually, he, he had a couple of incidents with regards to, to that one there. There was one where he lashed out with the boot at Luke Garner, and then there was one against the Tigers. I think we're talking weeks seven or eight, somewhere around there. And he undercut him. And um, the comment that I noted out of the judiciary was he had um, uh, a, a lack, a lack of res was it a lack of respect? I think was the phrase. I should have written it down. I think it was a uh, a lack of respect or a lack of concern for the other player's safety. And that's what I saw on that particular incident as well. He 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 didn't care. Now I remember when I think it was Kevin Proctor playing for the Titans. And there was uh, an incident, and again, I think this was one where he got sent off. This was when they had the crackdown. The guy went in for a tackle, and he just dipped slightly, and Proctor never had the chance to adjust. Bang, got him on the jaw. And the guy went down, and you just saw Kevin Proctor deflate in front of you, physically slump, because he knew what was going to happen, put his hand on the back of the, the player, knew he'd done wrong, knew what was about to happen, and, and just took it. I didn't see any of that from Latrell, and I don't see any of that from Latrell. Um, so th that's probably getting a little bit off track here. But just in terms of the actual tackle itself, no, no, I'm not surprised for six weeks. No, I'm not surprised that he's got raised, given the fact that that system, whether you like it or not, has it in place. He had carryovers, so grade two. Like I think he got the first one. He got grade two for that one involving Nofaluma, and that was four weeks. This one grade two because the carryover goes up to six. The system does work, even though at times I think the way they go about it is wrong. I still think you should be allowed to defend yourself without having other stuff added to it. Like, yeah, oh, take an early plea, we're going to give you six. Challenge it, we're going to give you eight. I think everyone's got the right to try and defend themselves. That's me personally. Um, 
But that flows on nicely, though, to Craig's question. Thoughts on Trent Robinson and the Roosters getting fined 40 grand for his post-match press conference on Friday night. Well, one, Craig, Trent did not miss. Two, it is embarrassing that he got fined for telling the truth. And you can go, oh, it was an opinion. No, 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 just, just hang on. The next day, Graham Allensley, the head of the NRL referees, stood down Henry Perinata. Perinata was meant to be in the bunker for Storm Eels. They stood him down. Now, what did Trent Robinson say on Friday night? Well, look, you know, if you can't do the job, get him out of the bunker. What did Graham Annesley do? Got him out of the bunker. So, Trent Robinson is right. He was proven right because the NRL reacted and removed Henry Perinara and he got to pay $20,000 for that. No. You should not have to be, you should not be fined for speaking the truth. And he was speaking the truth. Uh, it was poorly handled. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I was very disappointed. He knew he was going to get fined. Money well spent, got his money's worth out of it. Um, but yeah, that really disappointing. Um, did not did not miss, did not miss, and it was one of those press conferences you just sort of sit there. Yep, yep, yeah, he's on there. Um, you know, Wayne Be- Wayne Bennett not sort of defending him that much as well. I mean, I know Wayne took a couple of shots saying, oh, you know, about people going out hunting. And the Roosters have a couple of people like that, and I'm assuming that would be probably a dig at Wider Hargreaves and, and Victor Radley, and, and that's and that was fear as well. I thought, but the simple fact of the matter is, is there was there was never going to be a world where Latrell wasn't sat down for a period of time, at least four weeks. You know, I, I don't think without them they're gone. And I thought it was interesting too, just a brief aside before I continue on with the questions, watching how it has all unfolded and listening to to Phil Gould saying, "Oh, he was never going to get a you know a fair crack in this current media environment. The irony I found was, of course, it was while Phil was doing his role as a media pundit on TV. Now, if you are in that situation, you are part of the media. So you can't sit there and say, oh, you know, the media are never going to give a try. That's you. You are pretty vocal and very clear with with your thoughts as well. But I, I don't like people who are part of the media sitting there and saying, oh, the media, you're part of it, own it. Uh, was something that Tony Yavich used to do, which would drive him mad. He used to say, what they're saying in the media, Tony, you were part of the media. That used to bug the living crap out of me. It really, really did. Um, but the simple fact is, if you take all of it, and it's funny, all the comments I've seen and read have all been from media pundits or reporters or that sort of thing. Um, the simple fact is, is even if you take all of that out of it, it was pretty obvious he was going for a skate. I mean, that was, you know, take the injury out. He went flying in, and it was... It just wasn't good. And as I say, there was, there was no concern for the player. And, and that's the, the thing, I guess, that, that irks me somewhat with Latrell. Incredibly talented, no doubting that there. But at times he really doesn't look like he respects the game. Um, you've got to respect your opponent just in terms of professionalism. Um, sure, you don't have to show respect on the field if you do not want to but I think in that situation it's pretty obvious Joey Manu was in a bad way um, so I guess I was a little disappointed with that and I know we can always talk about oh it's the Roosters it's the Rabbit, oh it's the rivalry and you know, I thought Paul Gallon summed it up quite nicely he said what was it that they were showing leading up to that particular game was a bunch of Barneys that they've had over the course of the years um, but yeah I'm just yeah I'm disappointed I'm I'm disappointed 
um, that it wasn't dealt with. He should have been sent. I've got no issue with the six weeks. Marnie's going to miss a hell of a lot longer while they redo what they have to do that young man. So it's an interesting one, Craig. Very interesting. From Zippy, interesting viewing last night of the F1. Surprised FIA didn't abandon the race right at the beginning rather than having all the teams lined up in the pit wall for several hours in the hope of the weather clearing. What are your thoughts on this? Will admit that George Russell's P2 on Saturday was a real highlight. Zippy, it was laughable. Absolutely laughable. FIA should be embarrassed. They should hang their heads in shame. It was terrible. Just a joke. Don't know what they were doing. Um, and I, I look, I, I've got no... Pro, I, I love Spa-Francorchamps. It's one of the, the tracks that I really enjoy watching. It's a, I mean, we all know it's a classic Formula 1 track. It really is. But goodness gracious me, that... That was just so disappointing for me. And uh, the, the FIA, they've got to hang their head in shame on that one as well. I, I think they absolutely missed. I think they absolutely missed with regards to that. Um, right, Paul... Is DMAC leading the Chiefs for good? So Damien McKenzie is into Japan, taking up that uh, conf- uh, uh, that uh, contract. He is off con- off contract with New Zealand Rugby at the end of the 2021 season. Now, I have heard, and this is rumours going back probably about oh, start of this year, late last year, linking Damien with a move to Southland and the Highlanders. Um post in his new contract, whatever it is. So he's going to head away, play that, then he's going to come back. So it'll be similar to, to, to TJ. He will negotiate uh, his new contract. And, and what I've heard, and whether there is any truth to this, as I say, it's, it's all rumour. But I've heard a couple of whispers from a couple of people as opposed to just you know one sort of stuff. I've heard it from a, a few folks around, linking him with Southland and the Highlanders. So if you've got Marty on a one-year contract, you know, you can... Push Marty aside if you really want to, and poof, there you go. Bring in Damien McKenzie or whatever you want to do with regards to that there. But it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what happens. But he is off contract. I would suspect the Chiefs will be trying to re-sign him. Uh, I think there'll be a lot of teams will be trying to re-sign him, Paul, to be quite honest. But that's as I understand it, mate. That's as I understand it. Uh, from Matt, OBC uh, reporting in. If the Pacific Nations Cup restarts with, say, Japan... Three Pacific Island teams, USA, Canada, a team from South America. How many teams is too many? Perhaps promotion relegation system. Yeah. Um, I would think you'd want to try and keep it at around sort of six. Uh, I do like the idea, though, of getting some of those South American teams in there, though, man. I do like that there. Would you play it simultaneously as the Six Nations or the November Test? This is the big thing. This is the big thing. Played in the November window, you then do not have some of those lower-tiered teams playing against the Tier 1 teams, which is what World Rugby wants. I don't know where you fit it in um, because there are so many players. Yeah, I'd, I'd, tr- I'd be trying to do something. I guess what you try and do is maybe do a little bit of it in, in the J- July window and then a little bit again in the November window, but still make sure they've got the opportunity to be able to play some of those Tier 1 teams like they are meant to. Um, I'm not really sure if it's going to be possible. I, I'd maybe like to see that, you know, if with the Super Rugby Pacifica, if we can maybe sort of start bringing those teams in, start adding to the rugby championship, um, and maybe in America's competition using South and Northern America, uh, maybe that would be a, a way to go. Maybe it's time for the old Pacific Nations Cup maybe to be put out to pasture and look at some other ways of trying to, to get teams involved. Um, 
So what do you have? Canada, States, Brazil, Uruguay, uh, Argentina maybe not. Yeah. I don't know. I think this is, there might just be some other ways. Yeah, look, a four-team competition like that would be quite good involving those those four countries in, in North America. I've always liked the idea of you know, that Pacific Islands just competition. I think that's just an absolute belt. When we see it for the for the Rugby World Cup qualifications, it's it's pretty good stuff when everyone can get bodies back. And that's the big thing. It doesn't matter what competition structure they go with. You've just got to be able to make sure the best players are able to come back and represent their nation. It's as simple as that. Um, and how bad did the AFL Tribunal drop the ball on the Toby Green incident? I don't think they did, Matt. I didn't think they did. Okay, I've watched this. He initiated the contact, and he deserved to be suspended. He initiated. For those people who are not familiar with this, okay, Toby Green uh, walking and bumping, shoulder bumping a, a, a referee. Judiciary initially wanted six. He got three. Um, and, I, and I got no issue with that. You watch the video. He walks bang, big shoulder bump, it's obvious what he was trying to do, he was trying to initiate it, so I've got no issue with that, this is from a bloke as well, he should have been watching his P's and Q's, because he's only come back from a suspension for elbowing um, Patrick Dangerfield, I was about to say Rodney Dangerfield, Patrick Dangerfield, um, so no, I've got, they didn't, they didn't drop the ball, I, I've got no issues with it whatsoever, it was dumb, you can't do that, he was, he was key, he had every opportunity to avoid him. It was pretty clear he was bumpf. It was intimidatory. It was stupid. No problems with it whatsoever. And it was intentional. So there we go. That's my thoughts with regards to that one there. Right, can I see how we're going with the old poll question? If people have... Got there, where have we got? Have we got the poll? Oh, there we go. So at the moment we've got... Who wins the Premiership? We're currently at uh, 55% for the Storm, 18% for the Panthers, and 27%. Yeah, 27%. There we go. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Righty-ho there. Um, so, we can close that and close that. Right, okay. Have got a couple more to go. I don't know if you can see that, but I've actually just managed to put the actual... Results up on the screen. I don't know if you can see it. I can, which is kind of cool. Um, so, yeah, 55, 18, and 27. We'll keep that one open, and I'll let you know the final results at the end of it. So who wins the NRL Premiership? Storm, Panthers, or one of the other six teams that makes the playoff? Because we've got last week of the regular season this week. Um, right, so last week, Gio, um, regular contributor, like the idea. Oh, oh, thank you, by the way, to everyone who sent the questions through. So to David, Nathan, Carlin, Aaron, DG, Gareth, Craig, Zippy, Paul, and Matt. I uh, greatly appreciate you sending uh, the questions through. So Geo last week, I, I, I started storytelling on something, I can't remember what it was, and he's decided he likes this a little segment called Yarns from the Box. So it seems as though, Geo, you're going to be the one sending the questions through with regards to this one here. So this week for Yarns in the Box, Geo wants to know which players or former players that you have co-commentated with were your favourite and why? Um... Well, yeah, I mean, I've been very, very fortunate. Uh, spent a lot of time up at Eden Park commentating uh, initially with Brad Morant, who I thought was a really undervalued analyst of the game. I was then able to work for a long period of time with Ant Strawn, and, and Ant is brilliant. He is absolutely outstanding. Involved with the game, understands the game, can talk technically, but can then take those technical points and break it down into such a way which is easy for what I believe is easy for you know people who just watch the game for the enjoyment to understand as well. 
Um, he is excellent. I've worked with Steve Gordon for a long time. I love Stevie's passion, and he's also got a good technical knowledge too. Um, in terms of the players, you know, I've been very lucky. So when, when I started going on tour uh, back in 2008, um, you know, we started trying to get players, not members of the non-playing team, to be involved. Um, and initially when, when I started that, the, I had a little bit of pushback. And so the first test of an interview tour that I went on was in Hong Kong. And I'd asked the, the New Zealand media manager at the time, and he said, oh, look, you know, yeah, probably not, probably not for this one. I said, okay. About 30 seconds later, I got a tap on the shoulder. And it was the media manager for the Wallabies, uh, Matt McElwraith. He was the media manager for Robbie Deans. He goes, Nigel, Nigel, I heard, I heard, heard what you had there. I said, I've got the right guy. I've got the guy. Would you have it? I said, sure. So I, I just wanted someone. Because commentating a game, particularly a test match, for a long period of time, you, you just want someone that you can jump in and give you a little bit of um, a break, but also you know the knowledge as well. But you know, at times it's just like, look, dude, just if you can say a couple of little things here, give us some feel for it, and then I can sort of spin the rest of it. Um, and I got to work with Ben Alexander, and Ben was great. He was superb, really good. And then at the conclusion of that game, New Zealand won. Um, media manager comes up to me for the All Blacks and said, "Oh, how'd you, how'd you go with commentary?" I said, "Sweet." I said, um, uh, "The Aussies gave me uh, Ben Alexander. It was awesome." And sort of the jaw hit the ground. Oh, and so from there we headed on over to. The United Kingdom, and funnily enough, I didn't have any issue getting a, a non-playing player from uh, that point on. Uh, so it worked out quite well. Um, who have been my favourite? They've all been my favourite because each and every one of them made an effort. Even the ones who weren't great or weren't very good in terms of, of, of their speaking, they at least tried, and that, that's all I wanted. They gave me little breaks here and there. I was able to ask them questions. They were able to, to, to reply. They were able to bring little bits of, of the knowledge, the key knowledge. Like I did a game in, I think it was either Bloemfontein or might have even been Durban. And I had Alad de Melmonch. Alad was in the All Blacks at the time. And so he squeezed into the commentary box. And I mean literally. It, it was like, yay. There was very little room, like probably less, probably about 30 centimetres it felt like for me trying to slide in there. And I was bigger at the time. And then, of course, you had Alec. Alec, who was just huge. Um, so he slid in. And we started off, and, you know, and, and he said, yeah, I'll try my best. And I said, that's all I ever ask, brother. That's all I ask. And he was doing good with a couple of things. We got to the scrums. Bang. Just phenomenal. It was his wheelhouse. Technically broke it down, and he was great. Um, so everyone brings their own little thing. And that's what I've always liked about it. Um, ben Smith was brilliant in the commentary he did. We did the game uh, Soweto 2010, the first one, uh, what they called Soccer City. Massive crowding was a uh, crowd figure varied between 88 and 94,000. That was the one where um, scored the try late in the corner, right hand corner, and then there was the Ma'anonu try. Oh, sorry, Ma'anonu break when he lost the shoe. Fed the ball out to Israel Dag, Israel Dag dives and scores. And Ben Smith was on that particular call with me. And Ma'a makes the break, feeds it out to Izzy. Izzy's celebrating dives, just about put his hand out over the line. Oh, I'm doing my thing. All Blacks have won it at the death. All Blacks have won it in the death. And then you just stop and we just let the crowd reaction sort of kick in. And then perfectly, Ben Smith, and that, that, that beautiful, innocent way of Ben Smith, I just, I just hear him beside me, he goes, 
Everyone's leaving, Nige. And, and I turn and look, and he was right. 88,000 people literally had all just got up from their seats and were just heading for the door. There was no one in like any of the front 10 rows. Everyone was gone, apart from a few all-black supporters. Um, so Ben was great. Uh, who was? I had Winston Stanley one, one time, and he was superb. Um, I was lucky enough to work with uh, Sam Kane on a couple of occasions. Sam was brilliant because... So, so we have a thing in commentary, right, we, for radio in particular. The, ma- the mantra, Graham Moody. Love you, Moods. Time, score, field position, field position, field position. That's the thing in radio because you've got to paint the picture as to where it is on the field. So those are the things. You know, if, you, if, if you don't have anything to say, give them the time, give them the score, tell them where they are in the field. So that, that was the thing. Time, score, field position, field position, field position. So Sam came up and was doing commentary. We were in Wales. And the All Blacks made a cracking start. A couple of tries. And it's 18 minutes into the game, and I'm sitting there, and it's like, right, ball goes out, scrum, uh, line, out, line out to be fed, 15 metres out from the Welsh line, near side of play. There's an injury at the moment. Sam, what are you making of this? And straight away, Sam just goes, well, 18 minutes into the game, all backs up by 13-0. And I sat there, and I thought to myself, I've been working with Steve Gordon for about seven or eight years. Steve never did time checks for me, never did score checks for me. Sam's doing it 18 minutes into his debut performance. Um, he was great. Liam Messon was awesome. The, 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 as I say, they were all awesome because they all bring their own little thing. Um, Tawara Kubala brought me a cup of tea and jelly beans, which was awesome. Um, Te Toro Tahurua Rangi, he bought lollies as well. That was always a nice little bonus too. Um, a Commentator with uh, Jack Gucciu in Argentina. He was he was great again, really intelligent, great at breaking things down. But but the one Geo that I've got to tell you, and, and he, I don't know if he still dines out on it, but he used to. So I did a game with Sam Whitelock, and All Blacks are, are, are I think they were down. It was in Brisbane, SunCorp Stadium, and there's a scrum five meters out and around 15 in from the left-hand touch. And so I'm doing my thing, of setting it up, yada, 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 that sort of thing. And I see this hand just come in and pick up my pen and just scroll something down on my score pad. And I look down, and he'd written 8 to 7. Look up, scrum. Ball at the back, in the hands of Reed. McCaw breaks to the left-hand side. Reed off the back, one on two, boom, Richie over in the corner. And and I'm just, I just thought it was just brilliant mention. Just moments earlier, Sam Wyler just, he wrote seven to eight. Sam, what were you seeing? And he told me what he was seeing and that sort of thing. And so for, for the next few years, if I was sitting there and I was talking to maybe someone ahead of a commentary or that sort of thing, or maybe it was the day after and we were having a chat and he's, he's Sometimes they'd come up and say, oh, did I go all right? And we'd just sort of talk about, hey, if you get to do it again, think about this and think about that and that sort of thing. And we'd be talking to one of them and Sam walked past. And I was like, how did he go? And I said, oh, he, he went really well. And Sam would go, did he predict any moves? <laughs> no, Sam, he didn't. And he'd just sort of puff the chest out. When Sam Whitelock wants to swag, he's got some serious swag about him. That was always the one he used to dine out about. He thought it was great. Uh, and if you don't believe that, Mark Hinton edited it in a story when he was writing uh, his stuff for stuff. I know it was in that there. Uh, and I've still got the scorebook somewhere as well. So I can put the photo up. I've just got to find where the scorebook is. It's out, out in the cardboard box somewhere. 
Um, but yeah, I've been really lucky. All the all the players who came up, all of them tried really hard, and that's all you ever wanted. And um, there are guys who are going to slide in and be really great if they want to go down that particular route. TJ Pedernada will be outstanding. Sam Kane will be absolutely outstanding. Um, Sam Whitelock, I think, is a sneaky one too because his knowledge of the game is so good. And if someone would just work, he's getting better at communicating as you would expect. He would be outstanding, I believe, as well. Um, so there's lots, lots of really good people there. Lots of good people really enjoyed working, working with them. Very fortunate, very fortunate indeed. Um, what else we got here? Daniel, did you feel any pressure uh, when you commentate big sport events or All Black games? Initially, yeah. Initially, I did feel pressure because I was a new guy. I wanted to stay in the job as long as I could. Um, and I, I remember when I did my first game, uh, 14th of June, 2008, my 36th birthday, All Blacks England, Eden Park. And, and I remember, and I remember it clearly. I'm there, I'm looking down. We're not too far away. We're in a break. We're about to come out of it. And, I'm, and I just remember thinking to myself, okay, this is the All Blacks. You can't stuff this up. And I was aware of the legacy. I had uh, my, my grandfather, a beautiful man. I got left uh, these uh, old records, old little LPs, whatever you call them, little mini discs. Um, and so, you know, I listened to Winston McCarthy and Bob Irvine, and I'd grown up listening to John Howson and John Macbeth and Graham Moody, who I was lucky enough to get to, to work with and, and, and know. And so I understood... Uh, and, and got to obviously work with Sav as well. So I understood that the lineage and the um, significance of a radio commentator uh, for for the All Blacks. And it was a hell of an honour. And you don't want to be the guy to stuff it up. You don't want to be the guy to drop the ball. So initially, yeah, I did. I did feel the pressure. But what was interesting is as I did it more, and it's the same when I went to Commonwealth Games and then to Olympic Games and started commentating those and everything, what that changed to it was no longer pressure, it was expectation. And the expectation, the pressure you initially felt I think was a little bit more outside even though it was created internally, the expectation now was you've got to do this, you've done this before now, you've got to maintain a standard, you can't drop, you've got to keep trying to get better at your craft, you've got to keep improving. So did I feel pressure? Yes, initially, and then I just felt a growing expectation and a desire to make sure that I could just be the best that I could be, that I was giving the two most important people, you've heard me say this before, but the two most important people in broadcasting, the players and the fans, give them the best experience possible. That's my job. I can have that own personal expectation on me, and I think this is probably the first time I've sort of really sort of said this out you know, out loud that, that I did sort of put a fair bit on me. But it was because I wanted to make sure that you listening, now you viewing, because I get to do a few TV games as well, but you get the best experience possible and that I'm reflecting the actions of the players and the coaches as accurately uh, and as impartially as possible, and so that that was the thing. And you know, um, Daniel, I've, I, I said this before. I stopped supporting the Hurricanes in twenty. What was the year they won it? They won it the year I stopped supporting um, because I people saying, "Oh, I've because I was commentating Blues and Chiefs." Some of you have heard this before. I got told I was biased towards the Blues, biased towards the Chiefs, biased towards the Hurricanes because I was fan. Um, was hard on the Crusaders and ignored the the Highlanders, and I got I got 
quite upset by that because I took quite pride in my impartiality. And so I just said, right, I'm, I'm not supporting the Hurricanes anymore. I'm not supporting anybody. I'm only supporting one rugby team in New Zealand. That's Wanganui. And I still do to the and still do this to this day. I, I want to see all New Zealand teams do well. I want to see the All Blacks do well. I want to see the Blackburns do well. Um, but when it comes to being an absolute out-and-out fan, passionate, a little bit unhinged, Whanganui's my team, um, and that's it. Um, so, yeah, pressure, yeah, you do feel it a little bit, but what it turned into was expectation as I've done it more and more and what you expect of yourself. And I think there is a difference between expectation and pressure, even though sometimes people may think it manifests itself in the same way. So there we go. Hope that answers it, Daniel. Hope that answers it. Uh, let's go down. Let's have a look, see who gets uh, an update on the uh, poll. What do we got here? Still at 55, 18, and 27. So still 55 of you saying that the... Um, I hope I've got that there. I haven't paused it, have I? Hopefully that's reopened it. We'll wait and see. Where are we at there? Yep, still going. Beauty. Righty-ho. Let's roll through what questions have come through via the uh, comments this evening. Greatly appreciate it. Geo, Craig, DG, always great to have you with us. Storm just looking too good again, says Kyron. Even the Panthers back at full strength. I feel like it's a little too little. Brandon Smith is somehow still... nice. No, he's not underappreciated. Everyone loves a bit of cheese, Kyron. I think so. Uh, from Brendan, he'll be up uh, having a late one. Black Caps tonight. Charlie, one question this week um, after overfilling my boots recently. Uh, three best things from the week. Ooh, three best things from the week, Charlie. This is the standard. Like this. What have been the three best things? Um, what have been my three best things? Um... Seeing my son get a really good result, we did some um, help with the, the schooling side of things while the kids are obviously not, not able to go to school. He did a really great piece of writing, got four out of four for it, um, and he was so chuffed. That was really neat. That that was that was so cool to see that there. Um, what else? What are my other three good things? Two more good things for the week. Two more good things for the week. Um, oh, about an hour and a half ago. No, about two hours ago. Made my wife the most brilliant coffee. You got those, had one of those clear see-through glasses. That's the one where you see it and it, and you sort of put the coffee in the bottom and then you fill the milk over the top and it just had that little, that nailed it. That was that was pretty cool. Uh, what's the third one? Battling a bit, Charlie, to be quite honest, this week. Battling a little bit. I'm sure I'll think, I'm sure I'll think of another one. Um, Black Caps batting first, by the way. Thank you, James. Who do you think will make the top eight in the NRL next year? Wow. Shim, we haven't even got through this year, mate. Um, I'll get back to you on that one, Shim. Let's get through that. We'll, I'll hold that question. I'm going to hold that question over to after the playoffs, and we can do the far too early top eight for 2022. How does that sound? You know how ESPN always does the um, far too early drafts? or far too early predictions, we're going to do that. So we'll do a far too early top eight. We'll do that, mate. So I'm going to put a little, I'm going to put a little note by that one there. So, yeah, we'll get back to that one. Uh, been loving the classic AB games from the 90s. Yeah, they've been cool, haven't they? Uh, they have been great. Uh, is there a favourite game from that era you watch over again or would love to be able to commentate if you go back in time? 
Probably the 96 game at Athletic Park, 13th of July 1996, that was the benchmark. I still think to a degree it remains the benchmark performance for the All Blacks. Um, that was just superb. That would have been a really fascinating one to commentate. That was in awful conditions, 43-6, and just, just put on an absolute clinic. Um, still one of the greatest performances ever. Maybe that one, possibly. Um, so, yeah, that would, that, would be, that would be one I'd definitely be quite keen to maybe go back in time. Oh, and of course, probably the, the greatest game ever, that one, 2000. Jonah in the corner, although the commentator in me is kind of like, well... You know, the, the commentary was just so great. Can he get there? You betcha! Nisbo was brilliant. Uh, there was Moods who did that one for radio. He was hissing as well. So, yeah, that sort of thing. Um, where do you see Fico, Rico fitting into the 23? Yeah, it's quite interesting. I could see him... I would still think if we go in full noise, you get Anton back into the mix, David Harvelli, uh at 12. I would still have Rico on the bench. Possibly, um, depending on, you know, TJ Pedernada is going to cover 9 and 10, uh, which is a possibility as well. So maybe on the bench, I don't know if he would be in starting, but, yeah, look, I, I was really impressed with him in that last test. Um, I've said before I don't see him as a test match centre. I'm going to have to say yet, because what I saw in that game at Eden Park, the second one he made a couple of plays, I'm like, that's what I want to see from my centre. That's what I want to see from an all-black centre. So I've got to say yet now. He he did a couple of really nice things there. Uh, Easy, the Warriors next year. Who's going to be in the top eight? Yep, okay. Rightio. From Jamie, they're even talking in the background about playing NPC in December. Look, they can do that. They can most definitely do that. I'd love that. Uh, from Greg, all bit of inside information here. I know Campbell from Northland has offered all facilities in Northland for Auckland, Harbour and Counties to try and continue the NPC and FPC training and playing, etc. Inside oil, Geo, inside oil. Uh, Carlin replying uh, from uh, the question from Geo about the, the classics. I'd like the one Braille and Bunce clash. All Blacks got the win, 96-97. Bunce scores a great try against the box. From Jamie Daly, does Aaron Rodgers start round one? Yes. Don't you worry about that. Uh, from BC, wouldn't it be awesome to see Wairarapa Bush take on your boys live on Sky Sport, but of course, here in Masterton, if the Heartland Championship will broadcast live, Wairarapa Bush for the win. Oh, look, I just, like, look, if they, if there is that, as I say, all the teams in the Heartland Championship, all of them are from outside of Auckland. So that competition, they should just be able to fire it up. We didn't have a first round. Let's fire it up, bang, go. They get some rugby, let's get out there, let's do it. I would love to see that. That would be awesome. They've got lights at that wonderful venue as well, by the way, in Marston 2, artificial surface, under lights. So there you go. You can have games, stagger if you 12.30, 2.30, game under lights, lights at Cook's Gardens. I've got no problems with that. I think that would be awesome. Uh, Vinny, also, where do you think Simmons is going? That would be Ben Simmons. I genuinely don't know. Um, I was having a bit of fun this morning. I woke up and turned on the TV just before the kids were getting up and getting ready to help them with their school stuff, and Draft Day was on, and I love that movie. It's a great bad movie. Okay, it is it is a bad movie, but it's great. Brilliantly bad. Um, love that movie. And so when I heard about the seventh thing, I put it up. I said, right, let's make a trade. Um, I think Charlie came in with the best one, which was a three-team deal involving Minnesota, um, where... 
Philly got Dame Leonard, Ben went to Minnesota, and then Portland just got a bunch of, of picks as well as some assets and that sort of thing. I don't know where Simmons goes. Um, I don't know what's a good fit for him. Because he hasn't been able to evolve his game. So, look, if he can hit, um, you know, start hitting a jumper with regularity, I mean, I, I suspect, you know, if there's a guy who can keep him there, Doc Rivers might be able to do it. But I genuinely think he's going. But I, I honestly, I don't know. I don't know where there's a good fit. I know what a good fit's for, what I believe a good fit's for Philly. But I don't know if the fit's coming back the other way terms of what player they would get for the player that they would try and go after. Geo, been loving these games. Uh, got Robbie Mead, the droppy from Zinni. Uh, Jamie Daly, interesting comments from Brandy Alexander saying, Latrell, when he's done something wrong, has a tendency to double down. Really good. Really good indeed. Uh, why why won't this let me post Mac Jones context, uh, content X? You know the reason why. Okay, it's... Your jet's positive only. Mac Jones has... I've watched bits of highlights and that sort of thing. Mac Jones has looked very impressive. So, you know, good good decision again. Good decision again. Uh, McKenzie, wanting to play with his brother in Southland would make sense. D-Mac still in the All Blacks. Playing in the NPC would be unlikely. I would like to see the All Blacks in the NPC. I'd, I'd love to see that as well at some point. And, um, yeah, it would be good. Well, look, as I say, that was it was... Initially, what I heard, Craig, was it was a very wild rumour, and then I've heard it about two, three more times from varying sources. So I thought, like, oh, maybe there is something to it. Maybe he might want to go back down to Southland and play for the Highlanders. And you know, I'm not 100% sure, but as I said, there was something that was became has become a little bit more frequent and come from a few different voices, um, multiple voices, as opposed to you know just one or two that sort of thing. Yeah, there've been I've heard it from a, a few people saying that. Uh, Zippy, like to point out, yet again, I'm setting myself up for misery like a Warriors with the Dallas Cowboys record this pro-season, of, a pre-season 0-4. Yeah, but Zippy, to quote the great Alan Iverson, we talk about practice. Not a game. Not a game. Practice. Don't sweat it. I think you guys are going to be fine. You guys will be fine. Uh, <laughs> Semi, uh, Jets only worse than my, in my Eagles. I don't actually mind... I, I, you just, just watch that Eagles team. Uh, sorry, you, you just, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not sure you should just be dismissed wantonly. You're in an awful division, so you just never know. Get on a roll. Uh, from Zinni, what's the point of the extra three rounds uh, other than dollars? Yeah, well, you've answered it. You've absolutely answered it. Could we start the season allowed uh, for a better off season, finish the season, then include Fiji, Samoa, Pacifica Championship, Either way, don't ever mention player welfare again with this money. Look, I'm, you're preaching the converted, mate. Absolutely preaching the converted. Okay, simple as that. Okay, simple as that. All right. I, I, I look, play each other once, fair. That's the way I look at it. Fifteen weeks total in that case, because I'm assuming that buys and stuff thrown in. But fifteen weeks total. That's cool. The other thing too, if you want to stretch, it's got to be over eighteen weeks. Look, let's do staggered mid-season breaks. Okay, that's that's for me is an easy way to do it. Have an all Aussie round, have an all New Zealand round. Okay, in addition to buys, that there gets you that time that you want. So, um, yeah, I yeah, 
as I say, sometimes less is more. Sometimes less is more. Uh, from Craig, I watched the 2018 All Blacks Island game, muted the TV commentary, and listened to the 10-14 uh, rugby commentary analysis on Facebook Live. If I remember rightly, Gareth, the Irish guy, called the Stocktail dry before it happened. Picked the uh, Joe Smith chess move. They were absolutely outstanding. Still not sure what they're doing. I'm not sure either. I must, those, those guys were very good. Um, I got to meet the uh, guy to the stats, and we had a, um, got to meet him, and he was, he, was, he was at the team naming for the All Blacks... I think it might have been here the 2019 Rugby World Cup, and he was just fizzing. I can't believe I was, can't believe I'm here. He was great. Two really, really good, good people as well, by the way. Um, and yeah, the 10:14 was a great show, and I wish it was still on as well, Carlin. Uh, let's have a look. Blackcaps on the toss. Thank you very much, BC. Uh, from Zippy, going back to Winston Stanley, I was on media for the Brisbane Tens and got an opportunity to meet Poe at East Rugby Club, as it wasn't a typical press session, I got to chat with Winston for quite some time about random things such as what he was doing prior to rugby and taking over where he travelled um, for rugby, definitely a great guy, but in general uh, general they are all awesome Conrad Smith, Colin Slade, Stephen Armitage Winston was great, he was a very very smart young man, great conversationalist and yeah, he was he was great Semis for this NBA. Oh, Vinny, come on. Come on, mate. Um, semi. So we're talking semi finals for the East and the West. I've got to pick eight teams. Um, right, coming out of the East, Brooklyn, Milwaukee will be back in there. Philly, Boston. Um, there you go. Those are my four there. Coming out of the. Coming out of the West, okay. Uh, Lakers, Utah. Can Phoenix. Yelk. Uh, Phoenix. That's a great question, Vinny. Lakers. Phoenix, Utah. Yeah, Nuggets again as well. Nuggets again as well. There we go. Okay. But we'll be doing the way too early top eight for the NRL later on. Okay? Just remember that, please. Um, I think that's about it. Is that about it? I think I can't see any more questions coming through. or we'll wait and see. Thank you, everyone who's uh, stuck in here, hung in here with me. I really greatly appreciate it. I appreciate the company. appreciate all those questions coming through. Uh, let's see if we've got any more before I shut it down. Nope. It looks as though that is it. I'm going to close the poll. And we are closing. And what have we got here? So we have got... Bum, bum, bah. Melbourne Storm with 54%. Penrith and one other team from outside... 23%. So basically what you're saying is the Melbourne Storm and then the other seven teams are a 46% chance. So, okay, that's cool. Greatly appreciate that. Now, if you do have any suggestions for what you think would make a good poll question for Wednesday Night with Nige, please send it through. I would really appreciate it. Either DM me or chuck it on the post that I put up on my Monday night on the Facebook page. Uh, please do so. Happily to, uh, happy to uh, do that. But, yeah, give me some poll questions. Um, would happily um, involve those. Thank you to everyone who has taken the time to send through 
uh, your questions, your comments. It's greatly appreciated, as always. Um, coffee's gone a bit cold. That's okay. I'm probably going to do a little bit of NFL content as well over the page over the course of the next coming weeks at the start of or the first few weeks of the season. So uh, just keep an eye out for that there as well. Get back into the writing side of things as well. That has been another edition of Wednesday Night with Nige. I appreciate your company. I look forward to joining you again next week. Have a safe one. Go well, team. 